Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello and welcome to Broken Records, a podcast which attempts to find the worst album ever made in the history of recorded music. This is episode number 11. My name's Stephen Hill and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, how are you? Hello, I'm very well. How are you, Steve? I'm all right, thanks, mate. I'm all right. I should say, before we go any further, uh, that this podcast is basically an offshoot of Riot Act, which is Renfrey and I's weekly music review show. So if you want to hear us uh, some more after you listen to this podcast, then do feel free to find us on all your usual podcast platforms and listen to us being kind of positive about something. Although we're actually going to be fairly positive about today's record. Today we're going to be talking about Lauren Hill, hmm. MTV Unplugged 2.0, which um, was originally aired on the 22nd of May 2020 on episode 94 of riot act so basically the show you're about to listen to was a segment on our weekly show which we've decided to turn into a full-blown podcast in its own right where we try and find the worst album ever made um lauren hill's mtv unplugged 2.0 is not an album necessarily and certainly not an artist which would have sprung to mind to me when i was thinking about the worst albums ever made but that's not the reason that these albums get put on this list. It's due to um, the critical reaction to it. It's due to the personal surroundings of the artist around the time and maybe something that inspired them or changed the way people thought about them. It's the fans. It's a lack of sales. It's just the general malaise in which that record is or was held at a certain point in time. Um and that's definitely there's i think there's something to be said about that with lauren hill considering we've never really got much since from her have we and we sort of go do go into that in the chat yeah we do a little bit um it's it's quite it's quite sad what what uh happened to her and uh there are kind of moments this is definitely one where it's the circumstances around it really more than actually what we hear there's a there's an element of it being what we hear as well but yeah uh it's it's quite a sad mm. story in lots of ways but um yeah it is yeah so following on from my last episode where we chortled our way through richard ashcroft mm. this is a bit more of a somber episode so um you know thanks very much for listening and i'm gonna just stop warbling on now and throw over to myself talking about lauren hill with renfrey broken records where we search for the worst record of all time we have renfrey we have mm. a top 10 mm. don't we, we do. let's go from the bottom at 10 bob dylan self-portrait at nine metal machine music by lou reed at eight the enemy streets in the sky at seven dirty vegas is one at six viva brothers famous first words number six that's mental um five is louis the 14th slick dogs and ponies queen and paul rogers <laughs> or um what did I call <laughs> B-Dop and the Horniman? Yes. Um, the Cosmos Rocks. Number three, shamefully low place uh, for last week's 
hilarity, the 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 king of rock or and the rock boys. Um Richard Ashcroft, I think United Nations be, of Sound. He prefers to be known as Captain, I believe. But. Captain Oh yeah, Captain Rock, that's what it's called. Um Eogan Quig self titled is number two and still hanging on in there like a bad smell. Six feet under's graveyard classics volume two. But this week, um if you thought we had a lovely old fun, funny, hilarious time last week, um laughing at Richard Ashcroft. I, I can tell you now there will be no repeat of that um this week because we're talking about MTV Unplugged 2.0 by Lauren Hill, which came out on the 7th of May 2002, but crucially was recorded nearly a year before on the 21st of 1st of June 2001. Um this feels oh, is that <laughs> crucial? Well, the fact that it took a year for it to come out before it sort of saw the light of day. Nirvana was not quite a year, but not long. On, not, it was like nine was months it? or so. Yeah. It was recorded oh. in 1993. It's towards the end of 93, but it took almost a year to come out, I think. Oh, all right. Maybe it isn't crucial at all then. I just assumed that was lots of like, well, please I, don't I, release you, this. You do, you do the intro and I will double check that. Um, but okay. yeah, I believe that's the case. Uh, this is quite far outside of the usual type of thing that Renfrey and I cover on this show. We've done bits and bobs about hip hop before. We've not really done anything which is, I guess, sort of soul music. Although this is, you might think you know what Lauren Hill is. Um, she refers to herself during this MTV Unplugged live set as a hip hop folk musician. So, you know, there is a little bit of a, a crossover there. Um, there's not, only not a, few a million of... miles away off either from, no, no. from this release and this release alone. Yeah, there are a few of these artists that um, from sort of soul music that I really love. I love Amy Winehouse. I love that Lauren Hill record. Um, Back to Black by Amy Winehouse, I love. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, I think is great. During the kind of, I guess you'd call it the jiggy era of hip hop, which was pretty, like, admittedly, yeah, some of them are, are, are quote unquote bangers some of those songs but it was a fairly obnoxious time to be listening to hip-hop music um in around 1998 when the miseducation of lauren hill came out um she was already a pretty big star after being a member of the fugees and you know let's be honest here the other two in the fugees pras and wycliffe john went on to do pretty much nothing of any artistic note whatsoever um but lauren hill released a fucking fantastic record lush personal really intelligent really classy beautifully brilliantly produced and it got a loads of critical acclaim and five ground it five grammys mm. um renfrey you don't strike me as someone who would be much of a lauren hill fan and would i be that fair to say well i've 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 never listened to that record um so okay. uh i suppose the answer is yes but i've also never given lauren hill uh, uh she's not the sort of artist that i would normally go to at all so I can't mm. really say either way, but um, mm. uh, probably not. Um, can I do the unplugged stuff just to fill in super, super quickly? Nirvana, um, yeah, sure. Nirvana was recorded November 18th, 1993, but it was released November 1st, 1994. So that oh, was okay. almost a year. Having said that, I did check Alice in Chains quickly as well, because let's face it, it's the best. Um, yep. And that was recorded April 10th, 96 and released on CD July 30th, 96. So it, looks like it depends but it also looks like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's unusual 
Oh, okay. Just to clarify. I, I, just to clarify. I assumed that that was sort of an unusual thing to do. Um, of course, what most people now talk about um, when they talk about Lauren Hill is that they say that she was the one who uh, she'd rather her children starve to death than white people listen to her music. And that's sort of been a stick to beat her with for a very, very long time. But I'm sort of fine with that because, A, I mean, obviously you can't be, you can't be racist to white people, can you? That's not that's not possible. Um and I'm joking, you can. And B, there is absolutely, more importantly, there is absolutely no evidence of that quote from anywhere. Mm. Nowhere at all. This is an urban legend. It's like Prince getting his ribs removed so he could suck his own knob, which later became, oh, it's Marilyn Manson got his ribs removed. Mm. It's it's not true. Which later became think- Renfrey Deadman. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it did. But it just goes to show what people think of Lauren Hill. I mean, in fact, I've... I've actually looked to see if I could, I mean, I've looked everywhere to see if I could find the origin of that story. And apparently it's um, during a Howard Stern show. Um, Which you would have thought there'd be footage. Some of. sort of. Some, somewhere. Yeah, some sort, somewhere. I mean, yeah, somewhere. Somewhere. Would have put it up on that, you know, uh, And the, st- the statements, there are four statements that people it said, if I'd have known white people were going to buy my last album, I never would have recorded it. I would rather my children starve than have white people buy my albums. I would rather die than have a white person buy my album. Um, uh, and also, I'd rather see babies starve and die than have white kids buy the Fuji's record. All those four different quotes have been attributed to Lauren Hill mm. and the thing that she said. Um, I guess I, I watched, don't believe what you read. I watched MTV Unplugged 2.0, this version, because I managed to find a version online that I could watch. And mm-hmm. um, maybe a quarter of the audience was white and she didn't seem to have a problem with it. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I just thought I'd mention that as it seems to be the thing that a lot of people go, well, uh, well Lauren Hill said that and that's disgusting. I think it's fair I don't to do think that. she said that. I didn't know that until we actually spoke about it last week. But um, I mentioned to my housemate, Amy, that we were doing uh, Lauren Hill this week. And she went, oh, the woman who said yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, that's interesting yeah. when you say that. So, yeah. so, you know, I maybe if she did say it, there's absolutely no evidence of it being said anywhere. So I don't think she said it. Um, before we get into this record, there is a Rolling Stone article called The Mystery of Lauren Hill, which I suggest, if you're interested, um, you go and read, um, which came out just after this record which was released, which kind of tells the story of how we got from the Fugees and the success of the Fugees and the success of the miseducation of Lauren Hill to the place we are where we are now. A lot of it is about her personal life, which I don't really think we're the sort of show that needs to get into this kind of Tatler national Enquirer gossip mongering stuff. Um, although I do think because of this record it is kind of fairly important to at least acknowledge um, what happened because unfortunately her personal life and what happened in her band kind of bleed into one another. So obviously the Fugees were massive Renfrey. You remember how big the Fugees were? Weren't you? Of course. Big yeah. thing. Yep. Um, they basically broke up because Wycliffe and Lauren Hill were having a, uh, an affair, a relationship. Um, 
in the piece, the only one of them that is interviewed is Praz. Um, Wycliffe John says he doesn't want to be in the article. Lauren Hill, interestingly, will only be in the in, in uh, contribute to the article if she is paid a significant sum of money. She came back and said, I don't want people profiteering from my story. Apparently, the interview she did before this, the last interview she did before this um, MTV Unplugged show, she uh, demanded a check for $10,000. For being interviewed in a magazine. Okay. <laughs> you wouldn't get in a fucking magazine not, anymore. That would not happen these days at all. No, it absolutely would not happen. Um, but Praz is, uh, is interviewed and goes on record in that piece to call Wycliffe Jean the cancer of the Fugees. Basically completely blames him um, for the breakup of the band, for the way he treated Lauren Hill. He actually got married to someone else whilst he was apparently still seeing Lauren Hill whilst the Fugees were together. And the whole thing mm. is very messy. Um, during the last Fuji's tour, um, where everything was incredibly awkward, many of um, Lauren Hill's friends, including Praz, apparently tried to set her up with Rohan Marley, son of Bob Marley. Um, and when they began to date, uh, Hill was still seeing Wycliffe at the time. Um, when she fell pregnant, apparently nobody knew which one of those two men was the father originally. Oh, crikey. Okay. Um, I know this feels like kind of gossipy shit, but I think it all contributes to the mindset that went into making the miseducation of Lauren Hill, which is the only reason that I bring it up here. And, and um, some of these songs as well, surely. And yeah, yeah. And, and definitely some of these songs as I well. I think at the end um, of the day, if an artist writes about their personal life that much, you so it's difficult to not bring it, it up. Is. I mean, they've brought yeah. it up, so you could, yeah, yeah. So, mm. But I think more relevant, to the recording uh, of this MTV Unplugged set is that the album The Miseducation of Lauren Hill was recorded in collaboration with a collective of songwriters called New Ark. In November 1998, New Ark filed a 50-page lawsuit against Lauren Hill, her management, and a record claim- a label claiming that Hill used their songs and production skills but failed to properly credit them for the work on The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Okay. Um, that. that that is where Lauren Hill begins to really kind of spiral into depression and kind of disappearing from the public eye for an extended period. The one thing, so she claims that she did not, you know, she said she could handle the gossip and the tittle-tattle and all that kind of stuff. What she didn't and couldn't handle was being discredited as an artist, as her work being her work. Um, she couldn't handle that and there's a bit on her wikipedia page which i know is maybe not um may not all completely be true but um in this period apparently she began to write a screenplay about the life of bob marley which um, she planned to be um to play his wife rita she um also turned down roles in the likes of charlie's angels the born identity the mexican the matrix reloaded and the matrix revolutions um she dropped out the public eye in the year 2000 after the pressures of fame began to overwhelm her she said that she she disliked not being able to go out of her house and do simple errands without having to worry about her physical appearance um she then fired her management team and began to attend bible study classes five days a week stopped doing interviews stopped watching television she stopped listening to music and she started associating herself with a spiritual advisor named brother anthony um pras in the rolling stone piece mentions um brother anthony uh, and she says and he says that he told her to go away and give away all of her worldly possessions now 
he says he, he does kind of clarify he doesn't necessarily mean give all the worldly possessions to him but mm. she said he was a very very controlling <laughs> kind of cult-like attitude that this guy had and that lauren hill would preface anything she said she was going to do by saying brother anthony has said that i should <laughs> before she did pretty much anything um so um anyway that was kind of where she was before this set was recorded um so whilst pregnant with her third child she agreed to return to public life with this mtv appearance initially it was going to be a kind of full band greatest hit set a big return but she decided that the song she'd been writing as a follow-up to miseducation would instead be debuted here um just by her backed by herself on a guitar that she had been learning for just a few months um the night before recording she had a rehearsal where she ripped her vocal cords to shreds and could barely talk now despite a label and management pleading with her to reschedule the show she decided that she went ahead uh, to do the gig and that is what we have here in all of its uncut and unedited true glory um it got some pretty bad reviews uh a two from the guardian um, MTV Unplugged 2.0 would have been vastly improved by some judicious editing. Sadly, that is not the way with complete artistic control. Um, every time we, it's just, <laughs> she says, um, every time we submit our will to another person's opinion, part of us dies. It is a sentiment that's rather undercut by this messy, inconsequential album. Entertainment Weekly called it maybe the most bizarre follow-up album in the history of popular music. Um, also saying Unplugged is baffling on so many levels, it's hard to know where to begin. Hill seems to feel miseducation was commercially compromised but if she thinks her songs are best served in bare bones settings she's wrong she should have taken a cue from bruce springsteen who made his post born in the usa struggle universal on tunnel of love which was spare but never undernourished even more vexing hill puts her audience in an uncomfortable position are we supposed to feel we contributed to her crisis by buying so many copies of miseducation uh, even our old mate robert christigou got involved robert christigou called it one of the worst albums ever released by an artist of substance um, um, but saying that there are quite a few reviews and especially reviews that have come out in the last few years, these kind of re uh, appraisal, mm. uh, if you like of this record that have said how great it is that they have this kind of stripped down, um, personal nature that these songs are, are actually masterpieces that, you know, that, that, that weren't allowed to flourish because of the machine, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But ultimately this record kind of sunk without a trace other than, the mystery of iniquity getting nominated for best rap solo performance at the Grammys that year. And Lawrence Hill's career kind of went after that. And we mm. never did get, nor does it look like we ever will get a proper follow-up to the miseducation of Lauren, Lauren Hill, which I think is quite sad. Mm. Um, I so have Renfrey, a, I have a fair few defenses for this record. Go on then. Say. Well, you know, I'm someone who did acoustic folky music for a short time. And something I learned about doing it for a few years is probably the most powerful weapon you have in that kind of music is emotion. Because at the end of the day, you're stripping everything back so much that really what you want to get across is a feeling, <laughs> I suppose. Mm. I mean, it's difficult to talk about this kind of thing without sounding really fucking wanky. But but that is, you know, the most... Like, I adore Damien Rice, and I go on about how wonderful Damien Rice is because he is so open and he is so honest and so forthright. 
it, it, it's, it's hairs on the back of your neck kind of stuff. I mean, there's a song on Nine called Accidental Babies, which is just basically about mm. how he's still sleeping with someone and having an affair with them. And, and he hopes that they don't have accidental babies whilst they're together. Otherwise, they'll be in all sorts of trouble. And it's like, fuck me. You're, you're coming, you're writing from a place of being a real cock, um, you know, and it's just sort of the sort of... Uh, shock of that and 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 seeing into those you know that's a very important part of this music i think i think lauren hill is having a damn fucking good go at trying to do that sort of thing not entirely successfully but i think it's brave Mm. for any artist to try frankly not bigging myself up here because i did but (laughs) but that's actually you know i've not gone into it loads on this podcast but that is actually the reason i started to do to to do it in the first place because i wanted to scare myself and i couldn't think of anything scarier bar funnily enough steve probably going into stand-up comedy than getting up in a room in front of 30 40 strangers and singing songs very bare bones which were about my life you know that seemed Mm. really fucking scary to me so yeah um so i have an awful lot of admiration for hill doing this in lots of ways especially when she's only been playing the guitar for you know four months or whatever i mean nothing that she plays on here is complicated or difficult but she doesn't three chords in it basically a a lot of thing is three chords well you know yeah we'll get onto that in a moment i mean a lot of it is very very simple but she doesn't in terms of her technical guitar playing she doesn't make an idiot of herself because she doesn't reach she's not trying to do eruption on an acoustic guitar like no. i mean as if anyone could do that if anyone suggested they could do that they'd be a fucking idiot and you know <clears throat> but um yeah um and i think i think she's partly successful at that and i think she partly isn't when i listen to these songs it is blindingly obvious to me that they are definitely about something like that is clear um i don't i didn't have all of that background a lot of that background stuff that you just filled out for me and us listening uh was stuff that i didn't know um but uh i didn't feel like i could get the interpretation of these songs through the songs alone i i I knew that they were all about something and i could hazard guess here and there and from what you said i would have got some right and some wrong um but uh it wasn't it wasn't particularly communicated to me what they are about um they weren't esoteric enough to make me feel the vague sense of a feeling rather than know exactly what it's about either so i was kind of left in a no man's land of kind of going i don't know really what this is about and then every single song on here as you've already sort of hinted at is repetitive in the extreme um to the point where yes often she is just playing well it's three chords and the truth as i say quite a lot she is playing three chords and the truth um but sometimes she's doing three chords and the truth for about nine and a half minutes and it is a bit she obviously has a lot that she wants to say and i feel that often her desire to say everything that she wants to say was more important to her than writing a good song (laughs) i would say yeah um however she sounds great i mean for someone whose voice was shot to shit the 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 day before it's only really the last couple of songs where it really becomes obvious that she's her voice is not in a good way and considering Mm. she's been i mean this is 106 minutes and 36 seconds 
considering she's been singing already for an hour and a half, I think it's pretty impressive. And even the last two songs aren't embarrassing. Like, it's not an embarrassing performance at all. Um, It's just obvious that her voice is going, you know. Mm. Um, So there's a lot to admire in it, really. I just think it's something that shoots for something that's very ambitious for an artist who hasn't tried to do this before. Um, And it, it doesn't hit, but you know, it's a first go at it really. Um, I have to say I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. Well, yeah. Why is this record in here, Steve? Why is this record a broken record? Because, because of the, the response to it, Mm, mm. you know, because of the response to it and because of what it did to Lauren Hill's career. I mean, you know, like we don't pick these, this isn't me and, you know, just for absolute clarity about what you know when people go oh you're just going to pick a load of records that you hate and every week you're going to slag him off and laugh at them and, and obviously that will happen sometimes, sometimes as it did time. last week yeah. and then sometimes you'll get an album where you go well this album has been slated and it appears to have completely destroyed lauren hill's confidence we never got a follow-up you know it, and and there have been things that have come out post that going no 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 you don't see the genius of it i mean look i'm all for giving an artist the credit as we always do for trying to do something new. And I think particularly when you are the multi-platinum selling, five Grammy award winning, new voice of a generation that Lauren Hill was said to be Mm. in that style of music back then, to fuck all that off for a couple of years and come back with an acoustic guitar that you can't even play Mm. and a bunch of songs that nobody's heard and play them on MTV is brave as fuck. And nobody else, nobody else would do that like hardly anyone else would do that and that is the sign of a true artist and i can see you know like her her the thing that kind of is weird about this and i mean i described it to you yesterday as a car crash and i think the what's car crashy about it is that her reach for this is real this is real this is real i mean there's parts in it where she even says to the audience, like, why are you, why are you clapping me? Are they paying you to clap me or something? Mm. I don't even know why. Mm. Like, why are you clapping me? And she spends 15 minutes going, oh, you know, I, I, was, I got changed from my clothes that I was wearing today. And then I was like, does mm. this look good? Does this look good? And, and it's this, she has been so embittered and beaten and run down by being a star that her want to show you that no i'm not like that anymore i'm not like that you know when she says i i had to reintroduce myself to, to my world. parents because oh, none yeah, of you have yeah. ever met me no even my parents didn't know me nobody knows me you only you know and if you can't handle that and it's a bit of that like oh you, if you can't handle that whole like oh you can't handle me like this and you can't you know that kind of desperation like oh god has a plan for listen <laughs> it's not the same as richard ashcroft saying i am jesus last no. week but some of the kind of um that kind of I am a vessel for God thing, it can get a bit like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I don't want to listen. Any, you are entitled to it. Like my mum was really, really religious. Um, not when she was growing, not when I was growing up, but in the sort of after, you know, probably just into my early twenties, she became very religious. And and I'm not right. And and I respect anyone's opinion about if 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 they believe in a in in a sort of if they have faith of something that that's not my place to 
you know, to go, you idiot. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, you stupid idiot. There's no God. Like, do you know what I mean? Speaking as an atheist or whatever, I'm not going to go all Ricky Gervais on them. Like, aren't I better <laughs> than you? Because I because I don't have any faith and you do, yeah. you fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, but there are some bits in this where you just think, like, I feel like you're getting some pretty bad advice from somebody. Um, and you're kind of your desperation to want to appear like a true genuine artist normal person <laughs> and a normal person is and and show the kind of the truth and the reality is kind of to the detriment of 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 good songs i mean not everything on this record is bad but there's stuff like i mean she can on um, just like water, she can barely she can barely play the song. She kind of has to stop a bunch of times. Her voice is cracking, and she can't really hit the notes. Yeah. And like you say, it's not embarrassing. You know, it's it's not embarrassing because, and I think it's, no, it's, it's just, not it's just to, severely under rehearsed. Yeah, and it, it, it's not embarrassing to people like you and I because people like you and I like lo-fi. Mm. You know how good someone's voice is and how good they are on the guitar mm. is not. You know, we we for the most part, I would say, more interested in the the sort of the kernel of the idea of mm. the song, yeah. rather than like, oh, it has to sound great. But Lauren Hill's fans are not like that. The yes. people that listen to the Fugees are not like that. They need to have their singers sounding fucking pro tooled and mm. you know perfect and and lovely. And and this is just a this is a tantrum against that. Basically, that's what this is. Um, I don't think enough of these songs are actually very good. Uh, no, they I are, they're too long. Like they're too long and they're, they're ideas that are, like you say, they're underprepared. They've not been honed enough and it's, it's an indulgence. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Can't, can't argue with that. Um, maybe I'm being a little bit kinder towards this because, um, little peek behind the curtain as soon as we stopped recording last week obviously we had a, a joyous time uh covering richard ashcroft and it was very very funny um the moment we stopped recording you said to me oh i don't think we're going to have a good time in the same way with that lauren mm. hill record mate because it's really it's a you know you described it then as a car crash and you said it was more down to you didn't want to spoil it for me but you said it's more down to what she says rather than the music itself really um, and I think because I went into it with that attitude, uh, there were specific interludes that you pointed out as being the, the real moments. And I understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, I was, think I was expecting a more spectacular car crash than it actually was. If yeah, I'm maybe. Totally honest. I think the other thing I'll say in terms of all that kind of I am a vessel of God stuff and all that sort of thing. She was playing to her audience. That shit goes down really well in america generally <laughs> yeah but i know it doesn't over that, here she's not no but she's not meant to but then you can't say well she's playing to I mean, she's not meant to be playing to her audience that's the entire point of this record well i true, am lauren hill true. and and i'm not you, you can't have you can't be both things true and but I, then you know but she's also obviously incredibly confused and still incredibly scarred through the things that she's been through and she sort of makes that obvious and and i think yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think it shows a, I, I think it shows a, a, a kind of 
a worrying lack of confidence in herself that she has yeah. to point out. Like whenever she gets something wrong, she has to go, oh, I got that wrong, but that's reality. That's reality. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who, you know, who just re- genuinely doesn't care yeah. would just go, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and we are, and we are, and you are playing to an audience to understand that. Yeah. If your voice cracks in a show or you fuck a lineup in, you know, in, punk rock or whatever it's just part of the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. but lauren hill's not from that and i think you know like i'm really drawn on this because on one hand um it's fucking long and it's fucking difficult and her constant like i'm an artist i'm an artist i'm an artist some of the weird places that she goes to not just within you know jesus has a plan for me but like i say like reintroducing herself to her parents and saying oh, are we ready are we ready? Oh, I'm just talking to the people in my head and all that kind of stuff. Like some of it is like, Oh, when she, when she says the people, quite that, odd. when she says, I'm just talking to the people in my head, she means the people in the control room. She has an earpiece in, which might not be no. audience. No, surely not. Well, that's what it looks like from the video. Oh, really? It yeah. sounds to me like she was okay. Uh, so when I heard the, that, I was... This is another thing we should probably point out here. I've watched this but you didn't manage to watch it, did you? You've just you've just listened to, I it. Just listened to it. So I think there are... That's actually something I should probably mention. You pointed out one particular interlude, which is 12 minutes long, where she goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And audio-wise, it might seem like she's just going on and on and on and on. But in reality, mm. what's happening is she's stalling for time because she has some notes or some of the lyrics are written down for the for the next song that she's going to do and she left the lyrics in her bag which is backstage so someone's trying to find them as she's talking so which you know is a clusterfuck in and of itself in a way with yeah. it being filmed and all that kind of thing yada 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 but the reason she keeps talking and it goes on for 12 minutes that interlude is because she's stalling for time so and that might not have been obvious from the audio but it is from the video so well, I knew something was going on, but I didn't quite know what was going on. That's, yeah. well, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. I have seen bits of this before and I was like, oh, fucking hell. Like, you know, the, the the cracked voice and the, you know, the difficulty playing the songs and just the fact that the songs are so fucking long and they so, just, yeah. you know, just want you around, which just goes on and on. And it's like, and gets worse. Like, it's just, I just want you around. I just want you around. I just, and goes on and on and on. Mm. And it gets worse and the riff gets badly more badly played i mean if you are looking at it from a sort of technical and compositional standpoint it's pretty bad i mean you're right i think she gets a lot of shit for her voice cracking which i think when she sounds good she sounds fucking great she does sound good she sounds brilliant amazing voice she sounds brilliant for 90 percent of the recording Mm. i think yeah um i mean the thing is for me like with with that being the sort of why it's in here solely for mystery of iniquity which went on to be all falls down by kanye west you might know that hook Mm. um and as i said was nominated for a grammy you can't say any song with that any album with that song on can't be completely broken because that song is fucking fantastic yeah it is it's a brilliant song and and i Mm. and i quite enjoyed this version of it again she fluffs it a little bit towards the end but i still thought it was i didn't mind that coming from the background that i come from i suppose but you know um yeah i mean i I, think in terms of the the 11 it being 11 albums that we've done Mm. if you were to rank what are the best songs 
from the all of these albums for me that's comfortably comfortably the best song of any of these 11 records quite probably yeah yeah um it's difficult to recall them all to mind now but yes um it's certainly better than what the fuck was it stalker by louis the 14th or whatever fuck me (laughs) yeah um yeah 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 totally um i think we can categorically say here and i don't think i'm being over the top when i say this every single song on this record is at least double the length that it should be yeah which you know which is relatively damning um Mm -hmm. but i think it's also clear to me that they're that long because she has so much that she wanted to say and maybe she should have split all of those things up into more songs rather than (laughs) rather than making 10 minute long songs or seven and a half minute long songs i mean i don't think there's a single one under five minutes i don't think Um, Uh, i think there might be a couple oh actually actually, no sorry there are one or two the very last song is under five minutes but you know yeah they all feel pretty long to be totally they do. honest yeah and They're there isn't basically th- a sort of chorus aren't they That's yeah it. and there isn't enough going on in them and they are very bare bones and like if you're gonna do bare bones stuff like that you don't want it to go on for 10 fucking minutes you know mm. um but you know why would she know all that stuff it's not the music she started i mean i don't know maybe she, maybe she'd been listening to that kind of music for years and maybe she should know better i don't know but but I don't know. Yeah. Well, she's obviously obsessed with Bob Marley, and I think yeah. you know, there's yeah, yeah, uh, um, you know, a touch of a touch of that. Of but even be... even Bob Marley's different because he had the Whalers. You know, mm. like like even Bob Marley is not the sort of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about lo-fi no. singer songwriters, which are just them and an acoustic guitar. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much she's into that sort of. Thing. I have no idea, but you know, mm. um, me neither. But, you know, I can understand why people who were not exposed to this sort of thing at all would think, fucking hell, this is rubbish. Like, this mm. is rubbish. I think they're rubbish, actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Because, you know, it's... Even though it's a car crash, it can't go very low and it can't go very high in the, in the list. I mean, I, I, I the have thing. a place in mind for it and a very good argument for it, in my opinion. Go on then. Well, it's got to go between the enemy and Lou Reed, hasn't it? Because I don't think it's successful as Lou Reed because Lou Reed sets out to do what it wants to do. And I don't think Lauren Hill, MTV Unplugged, entirely does that. In fact, you could argue it does the exact opposite because she wanted it to research her career and it didn't. Um, it's boring, but it's not as boring as the enemy streets of the sky. And actually, I don't know. Is it boring? Can you ever honestly look at a woman who's being that open and honest and call it boring? I actually think that's quite a, a, a mm. nasty thing to say. So I, I retract that. Um, it, 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 and it's certainly not as boring as the enemy streets of the sky. And hence, um, I would, I would propose to put it in between those two at number eight. That would be. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about putting it at number 11 solely because, as I say, Mystery of Iniquity is such a fucking great song that it kind of lifts everything else. But then that is to ignore the many, many, many faults that there are of this record. You're talking and about 10 I, minutes on a 100 minute record. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very, very happy to concede early. And I think that's probably about right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Lauren Hill goes in between the enemy and Lou Reed, uh, which I think puts her at number nine. It does. Um uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, I mean, has this made you think 
I might go and listen to any other Lauren Hill records. Um, I, I want to not. listen. I want to listen to the Miseducation of Lauren Hill anyway. And I feel like mm. um, the place that I am in my life now, I am the most open I would ever be to enjoying that record and i was kind of hoping to get an opportunity to um before this week um i'm sure people will know why i didn't get an opportunity to do that um but i i will be listening to it in the next few days definitely it's a really really great record and i think what's the reason why this is sort of so low down is when you take i mean the other time we spoke about what the music industry did to destroying somebody it was eogan quig Mm. now the difference between eoghan and lauren hill is that she did this eoghan, well um, i was gonna say is eoghan has nothing to offer and never had any anything ah. to offer anyone ever yes um whereas yes you're right lauren hill did do this to herself and she did this to herself deliberately because you know eoghan quick would probably is probably just he's just happy to be there isn't he yeah he's delight, <laughs> delighted to be exploited if anyone's a vessel is, if anyone's a vessel eoghan quig is because he's completely fucking empty isn't he let's face it <laughs> yeah he is yeah um so, yeah. but you know so i kind of i think this is definitely sadder uh than what happened to eoghan i do think it kind of it is a shame that some young kid got absolutely chewed out chewed up and spat out by the music industry but certainly the fact that the way the music industry works means that someone as talented as lauren hill Hmm. has just sort of vanished and never been able to follow up that record and it's not the only record of its type this mtv unplugged 2.0 on this list this is a fairly i mean it doesn't happen with quite the level of spectacularly as it does here but you know this fucking there's plenty of people that have been shat on and destroyed by the music industry so um Mm. yeah uh, a court the cautionary tale of uh of lauren hill anyway let's pick to see what we'll be doing next week renfrey my hands in the hat the old hand in the honey pot if you like i don't know why i said it like that don't say that rubbish i'm not gonna say that i've said it (laughs) um oh god fucking straight back into the shit um <laughs> blood sweat and towers by the towers of london oh fuck off <laughs> i know i could do without doing that i feel like putting it back we can't can we that's cheating burn but it just burn get it, it. steve <laughs> we've got a new number one ladies and gentlemen <laughs> okay so oh, we can't i mean we have to we have to do it of course towers of london yeah. blood sweat and towers that'll be fun sake. You should be a big fan of them, didn't you? So there you go. That was our chat on Lauren Hill's MTV Unplugged 2.0. As you just heard, we will be getting back to quite uh, abrasive territory next week as we go into Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London. I do remember doing that episode and... We get quite irate, do Renfrew and I. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, I, uh, nothing good is going to come out of my mouth if I actually open it. So uh, I'm just trying to stay quiet. So, yeah, let, let's just let you go over to episode 12 now and listen to what we have to say about Towers of London. And we will see you over there because that's where we're going to be right now. Oh, I should say, by the way, 
patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and listen to our weekly friday show riot act if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more of our thoughts on music thanks very much for listening though and um yeah towers of london is there waiting for you in episode number 12 enjoy that